All right, Genesis chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Say this in the Word of God. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Let us pray again. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we just uh, thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And uh, Lord, we thank you, uh, dear God, for these good songs, uh, dear Lord, that we sing to remind us, Lord, uh, what we have to look forward to and Lord, what we already have in you and just how wonderful and merciful and gracious you are. And Lord, that you, how you take care of us day by day. And Lord God, uh, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And Lord, you give us sufficient strength uh, for each day. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for our young people, uh, dear God, and using their talents for you. And Lord, again, we just pray for our young people that you would work mightily in their lives, that each one would be saved at a young age, that each one would dedicate their lives to you. And then, Lord, that you'd fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Lord, as they step out in different phases of their life, dear God, that they would be sensitive, uh, Lord, to your guidance. Lord, whether it's uh, going to the ministry or whether it's being an accountant or being a nurse or just starting some business, whatever it is, dear God, uh, Lord, we need Christians in every area of society, uh, dear Lord. So just uh, bless them as they seek your will and guidance. Lord, we thank of those that are with child. Lord, just continue to watch over uh, them and keep them safe. And we already pray for a safe <coughs> delivery and everything would go there. And Lord, we pray again for those that are sick among us. Lord, Sister Sarah and <coughs> Sister Kreft and others. So we thank of Brother David traveling. Thank you for those, Lord God, that you're healing and bringing back. Thank you for touching Sister Karen and Brother Thomas and others. And just continue to strengthen them as well. So, Lord, again, we just yield ourselves to you. And, Lord, again, just continue to teach us through that word. Lord, we want to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing. Lord, your word, the word of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, uh, last Sunday night we, uh, uh, we began a uh, chronological uh, study of the word of God. So we'll do a little review. So let's... Uh, ask some questions, just uh, uh, update. Now, a couple of these I asked last week, but just to see what you remember. Again, we're the first part here, we're looking at Genesis 1 through Genesis 11. Genesis 1 through 11. And again, uh, who can mention the, the three significant men in this portion of Scripture? The three significant men. Important to know. Winner time, please. All right, Sister McLean. Right, Adam. Enoch, I was hoping you would know the third one. Good job. All right, right. Adam, Enoch, and Noah. And then the, uh, the four important events, the four important events that are covered in this, uh, this first uh, uh, part we're looking at, Genesis 1 through 11. What are the four? Uh, yes, Joshua. Creation. Creation. Yes, sister. The fall. The fall. Right, not autumn, but the fall. The flood, and one more, right, uh, not long after that. Yes, sister. 
the Tower of Babel, where he did a, a good job, amen, of <laughs> confusing uh, those languages. All right, and then, of course, uh, in the overall view of Genesis, we see the, one, the creation of all things, right? Of course, it starts off with that, the creation of all things. And then with the fall, we see what? The corruption of all things. And then uh, with uh, the coming of the flood, we see what? The condemnation of all things. And then after that, with the Tower of Babel, we see what? The confusion of all things. So we see the creation of all things. The corruption of all things, the condemnation of all things, and the confusion of all things. Uh, important things to take note of uh, through that time period. And then, of course, uh, God created uh, the heavens. Remember, plural. So there's the first heaven, where the home of the birds and the clouds, you know, uh, nice things to look at. And then the second heaven, the home of the sun, the moon, and stars. And then the third heaven, of course, home of the angels, and now the departed saints. And uh, something to look forward to there. And of course, in God's creation, he put three basic types of force fields uh, into, into effect. And anybody remember what one of those are? Right? Uh, give some, okay, let's, I'll go back to you. Let's see, anybody else? Uh, come on. Think of a falling apple. Yes. Gravity. Gravity. Very good. A hint helped you out, right? Another one. Another one. Yes, sister. Right, the electric magnetic force, and another one. Uh, all right, the nuclear, the nuclear force there. All right. So, and then uh, just looking at that first verse again, we mentioned the things that just that you can learn from that first verse. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so we saw in this verse that it was a summarization, a summarization statement, right? That it tells us what God did. It tells us what God did. And then, of course, uh, uh, verse 1 did. But then verse 2 down through chapter 225 tells us how he did it. So verse 1 says what he did. And then down through there, we see how he did it. But just the fact that the Bible starts off, in the beginning, God. Right? As we uh, emphasize, God doesn't try to prove that he exists. God doesn't have to prove that he exists. He just starts off, boom, I'm here. And you need to know about it. And you need to know how we can have a personal, daily, active relationship. But just the fact that he starts off in the beginning, God, right? That's not just also, it's not just a summarization statement. But as we mentioned, it's a refutation statement. And it refutates at least what? Five philosophies uh, that we mentioned, right? And uh, uh, five or six, who remembers what they are? Well, I'll, I'll give you the first one, atheism, right? Uh, the fact that, you know, he said <laughs> they don't believe there's a God. He says, boom, there is a God. And as a, uh, so it, it repudiates atheism and states there is a God. Uh, what's another one? Right, you know? That uh, uh, he, it tells us that he is apart from his creation, right? Pantheism, all right? Another one. Fatalism, very good. That there was a purpose to creation. All right, another one. Of course, evolution. He created all things. Polytheism, the fact that, hey, look, there's a God, there's but one God. 
And so uh, just the fact he just starts off and he just uh, lays it out right there and it gets straight to the point. So uh, I want to emphasize this again because I thought it was a good point because uh, many may have asked why God created the earth on the first day. But remember, again, waited until what? The fourth day before establishing the sun, stars and moon. And so uh, two reasons we mentioned that. One was because to show the priority of the earth and then also as a, as a prevention. The priority, why would he uh, put the earth first as a priority? Again, as a reminder, God created the earth first because it was the most important in his mind. Because again, it was upon the planet earth that he planned to create on the sixth day uh, man. Of course, uh, that would live on earth and not the moon. Then plans had already been made in the fullness of time for the second person in the Trinity, amen, to come to earth, right? And uh, uh, that he, he would live upon the earth and one day set up a millennial reign on the earth. So that was the priority of the earth. Next, because for prevention, because almost without exception, every ancient civilization has worshipped the sun. And so he wanted to show that it wasn't the, moon, the sun that had priority in his creation. It was the earth, the earth. And so an important thing to understand there. And then, of course, he created plants, he created animals, and he created man. And each of them uh, shows a different type of life, a different type of life. Okay, the plant life possessed what type of life? Possesses what type of life? Joseph. Unconscious life, right, unconscious life. And then the animals, right, they possess what type of life? Conscious life. And then man alone, man alone possesses what type? What makes him different? Self-conscious life, right? And of course, man is the only thing that God created with a soul. I like it. And he said that. It said God what breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then say just say man became you know a living individual or a living body. It specifically says man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. So he emphasized that. He emphasized that. So now uh, let's uh, again uh, begin with the seventh day, the six days of creation. Then the seventh day. So again, this is the only place where it says God is described as resting. But again, sin would soon enter the picture and the entire Trinity will become involved in redemption. And so, again, the first law of thermodynamics is now in effect. This law says that energy can be what? Changed from one form to another, but it cannot right, uh, be created or destroyed. So here we have in these first chapters, in 56 simple uh, verses, the concise but complete account of creation. It's amazing. Look at all that God did. And man, he could just sort of uh, fit that right in in just a short time period. It's amazing, you know, uh, when God wants to get something through quick, how quickly he'll put something in a, 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 a short amount of verses, you know, and you don't really notice all that's going as you read through it. Then all of a sudden when he wants to zero in on something, you know, like, you know, he spends more time talking about Joseph's life at the end of Genesis than he does uh, all of creation. Think about that. He spends more time talking about one person's life in many places in the Bible 
than he does in all of his creation. Well, that should show you how important you are to him. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, I took a week and I created all these galaxies and all these stars and, and all this stuff, you know, and he, I don't know what's wrong with the microphone here, but uh, uh, he says, you know, I created all these things and he just sort of zips through that. But then when he comes to man, he, he just sort of zooms in. And that, I mean, that says, a, that says a lot about what God thinks about man and the relationship that he wants to have with man, a personal relationship. I mean, that should really uh, 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 encourage us that God puts more emphasis on his relationship with us. It talks more about having a relationship with us than he does his whole, whole creation. What a wonderful uh, thought that is. So the first of these verses... Right, should be looked upon again as a summary statement. Again, telling what he did, then after that, all those other verses telling how he did it. Now, one thing that's not mentioned here is the creation of uh, the creation of uh, angels. Now, however, in the book of Job, it seems to uh, uh, signify that uh, uh, he did, you know, people, many people think that's when he created them as well. Let me give you these verses from uh, uh, Job that are mentioned. Job 38, 4 through 7 say this, you know, uh, he says this to the, those in Job. He says, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? And he says in verse 7, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, I notice that statement where it says sons of God. Many times when you read that term in the Old Testament, it's really just talking about, uh, you know, uh, the, those uh, beings that God God created, not necessarily somebody that's been saved as a son of God, but God's creation and a reference to uh, uh, angels, a reference to angels there. So uh, we, we, we see that. We see the, the, the seventh day, and uh, it talks about some things there and zeroes in a little bit more on the, the creation of man and woman in chapter 2. But then in chapters 3 through 5, again, we see the corruption of all things when sin came in to the world. Let's look at the first couple of verses of chapter 3. Now here it is, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now think about this. This happened thousands of years ago, right? The first time the devil shows up, what does he do? He puts a question mark on whether you really understand what the word of God is. Boy, uh, he, he still uses those same ways. He still likes to put a question on people. What's one of the biggest arguments uh, among us, right? Uh, do we have the Word of God? What's the Word of God? Which one's right? What manuscripts, right? We still argue about the Word of God and what did God say. Boy, he, he uh, definitely uh, was subtle in choosing that uh, for uh, putting question marks in the mind uh, of uh, Adam and Eve. So he speaks to the serpent. Eve is tempted to disobey God by the devil who talks with her through the serpent's body. And, of course, Adam and Eve could apparently somehow uh, communicate uh, with animals back then. Don't know. They probably did better than Dr. Doolittle, if you've ever seen that show, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't remember that show, do you, Brother Adam, right? Uh, but listen, somehow they communicated, and somehow she communicated with uh, the serpent. 
But prior to the fall, it is clear from the later account that the serpent, it seems, did not crawl as it does today because that became a curse. And it may even have stood upright. The serpent is the first of three creatures besides man who you see uh, speaks in the Bible as you read through the Bible. So from this point, the serpent becomes a symbol of treachery and sin. Treachery and sin. Let me give you some verses about where the Bible talks about, uh, uses the serpent uh, in a negative way. It says their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, Psalm 58, 4. You remember when Jesus was re re rebuking them in the New Testament, he said in Matthew 23, 33, ye serpents, ye generations of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That's pretty strong. Boy, you think about what you use. Sometimes you get mad at somebody that they've been deceptive to you or they turned on you and you say, oh, you all snake, you ain't worth nothing, right? You go right, you even use that term uh, yourself. And then, of course, in Revelation uh, 20, the Bible talks about the, the old serpent. In uh, Revelation 20, verse 2, it says this, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So he never, he never got rid of that connection with the serpent. So he begins, again, by getting them to doubt God's word. Yea, hath God said. Boy, that's why you know why God makes a big deal about not believing his word. He makes a big deal about unbelief, right? And that's why he, he, he emphasizes faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, right? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because he knows that, that, that be, when, when, as soon as they began to doubt God, boy, they went down. Well, anytime we begin to uh, doubt God, man, our life is going down. So Eve now foolishly attempts to match her wits with the devil. Hey, listen, our job isn't to debate the devil. Our job is to resist the devil. Don't try to debate the devil, right? Just like when you're witnessing to people, when you're talking to people coming out. Our job isn't to try and reason with people, all right? Our job is just to declare the word of God and uh, give them the gospel, and just give them truth and let that truth, amen, just, just to strike upon their heart and beat upon their heart until it realizes its need of salvation. So the Bible gives us warnings about trying to deal with the devil. First uh, Peter 5, 8, 9, we know these verses. Be sober, be vigilant, hey, pay attention, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. You see, that's in Peter. Now here, when the devil first shows up, what's he doing when there's only two people in the world? He's walking about, seeking whom he may devour. When you see him in Job, what is he doing? Hey, what are you doing, Satan? He says, he's, I'm walking about, seeking whom I may devour. That's what he was doing. He said, I'm walking to and fro on the earth. He was walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And, boy, he's do and then Peter says that, and that's 2,000 years ago. You want to know what the devil's up today? He's walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Boy, he's walking up and down church pews. He's walking through your neighborhood. Amen. He is looking for people and lives to destroy. So that's why it says this. Whom resist steadfast in what? In the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so it tells us what to do here in James 4, 7. It doesn't just say resist the devil. What's the first step to resist the devil? Submit. Submit your, their, yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. The first step, amen, is making, where, making sure your relationship with God is right. You're where you should be with God, and then you'll have the strength and ability to resist the devil. So not only they question God's word, but they, you know, Eve tries to, we know, tries to add to God's word in the debate. God, uh, God did not tell her not to touch the fruit. Think about this. The devil laughs when he can trick someone to either adding or subtracting from God's word. And that's what a lot of these modern perversions that we talk about do, right? They take out verses and uh, they add to things, right? And they destroy, uh, they try to destroy the word of God and destroy people's faith. But Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says this, every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. The Bible talks about every, every jot and tittle, right? And that's how important. You think about this. Uh, uh, is, it the, uh, is it the Jehovah Witnesses that just move one comma, right? Think about this, just moving one comma. Remember the, 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 the thief on the cross, right, that believed? And what did, what did the Lord say to him, right? He said unto him what? Uh, he said, today... Shout, thou be with me in paradise, right? And the Lord said unto, no, it says this. Remember, the Lord said unto him, comma, the Lord said unto him, comma, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So when do you think he's going to be with God in paradise? Today. But here's what they do. They move that comma to the other side of the day, and it says this. And the Lord said unto him today, comma, thou shalt be with me in paradise. So just by moving that comma, it goes from saying, you're going to be with me in paradise today to just that he said it today, but he didn't tell you when he's going to be in paradise. Just by moving that comma. That shows you the importance, right, of keeping the integrity and fighting for the integrity of the word of God. Now, I know sometimes as, as missionaries, you got to go overseas and you got to work on translation work. Listen, uh, we worked on with translation work. And I tell you what, that stuff made me tremble. I, I didn't mind being over people working on it, but I didn't want to be the one to work on it. You know, uh, that, that, that was just, you know, that was just a serious thing to me uh, to mess with, uh, mess with God's word. Even though your intention is right, that's a serious thing to mess with the word of God. But that's why it matters when, when they take out a verse or they, 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 they change verses and things. That's why you say, why do you make a big deal about the word of God? Well, now you see why. It's, it's it, that, that fight, the fight about the word of God is, is a major fight, fight. And fighting over the King uh, James Bible, to me, that's a fight worth fighting because I see a lot of my friends getting light on it and turning from it. Uh, listen, uh, I, I was talking to uh, somebody recently, you know, uh, somebody, uh, a good friend of mine, somebody I, I've known for years, and we were talking about it, and they seemed like they sort of uh, uh, lightened up a little bit, like they sort of suddenly got a different thought. And I said, I said, listen, I said, listen, friend, you know, and this, this is a guy I know very well, but listen, I'm sticking with the book. And I told him, how do I get sidetracked? This is important to me. I said, let me tell you something. If, if one question mark, I don't know how you are, brother, but I, 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 I say this best I know. I said, brother, I said, if a question mark ever came into my heart about the word of God, I said, I'd have to sit down. I don't think I could ever stand behind a pulpit again. That's how serious that I take it. If a question mark ever came uh, into my heart. You know, I, I talked to a missionary friend of mine one time, and he got away from the King James. And he said, uh, he said, the King James isn't a doctrine. 
I looked at him, I said, that's one of the stupidest things. That's what I said to him. Here's the I looked at him, I said, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I said, to, 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 you're going to make a big deal about doctrine, but not make a big deal about the Word of God? I said, that doesn't make sense to me. Now pay for the coffee. <laughs> Made him pay. No, actually, we were, in, we, were in a, we were in a car. We just finished having coffee. But yeah, but that's a serious thing to mess with the Word of God. And that's why, you know, people say, oh, well, it, you know, it, it amazes me. I know I'm getting sidetracked here, but it's important. When you, when you study that and you see 40 people or the people that God used to give us that book right there, right? There probably aren't 40 scholars like that in the world today. And all of a sudden, some guy, you know, he takes a semester of Greek, and now he thinks he's smarter than they are. Say, I got two words for you, son. Stupid. Get out of here. Right? Stick with the Word of God. Stick with the Word of God. That's one thing I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to shape, and I'm tired of people. uh, You see, I got off on it, man. I, I, I had a couple at our church one time. We lived in Statesville. There were members of the church. Her first husband, she was a missionary, and her first husband was a missionary, and she brought something up about the Bible, and I was tired of hearing and I went off for 45 minutes in my own house. When I got done, she looked at her husband and said, well, I guess we'll never bring that subject up again. <laughs> I said, good idea, good idea. Now enjoy your meal. Anyways, I better, I better get back on this. But you see, we need to be that way about the Word of God because everything rises and falls. on the, Faith cometh by hearing what? This book, this book, this book. Right? Hey, my grandfather told me, stick with the book. Grandpa, I'm trying to stick with the book because the book has stuck with me. So stay on it. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou shalt be found a liar. That's what you just look at and see, you over a liar. That's what they are. Revelations 22, 18 gives this, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. It's a serious thing to mess with the book. You don't need to change the book. You need to let the book change you. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to work. So then he ends denying God's word. And the serpent said, ye shall not surely die. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Let me tell you what that says in the original Hebrew. Well, I'll straighten you out on this, right? Oh, man. Listen, are there any lies in the Bible? Yes, there's lies in the Bible, but they're recorded lies. Amen. God didn't tell any lies, but he certainly recorded the lies of some other people like the devil and others. So many centuries later, the apostle John would warn all believers to beware of these deadly things. What's, what, what's John warn us against? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Well, every day you should pray that. By God's grace, every day I try to pray that for myself every day. Lord, protect me today from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I pray that. You got to pray Bible verses. You got to claim Bible verses when you, when you pray. And we saw, listen, we saw that that's how she was tempted. Notice, when you read these verses, what do you see? It says, the woman saw the tree that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. And a tree to make one wise, the pride of life. And that's how our Lord was tempted. Our Lord was tempted in Matthew 4, 3 through 10, right? What did, what did Satan say to him? He said, command these stones to be made bread, the lust of the flesh. Then he showed them all the kingdoms of the world. Man, look at this. Look at this. Wow. Look at that. Wow, look at that building over there. Look at that temple over there. Look at that. The lust of the eyes. 
And then he said, cast thyself from the pinnacle of the temple, for the Bible, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, right? Tempting God, the pride of life. Oh, hey, listen, God will take care of me. The pride of life. And listen, you look at how, how's he tempting you? He's going to tempt you with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. May God protect us. So, Satan's work in Genesis 3, 5. For God, he said this, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. Man, listen, let me tell you, you are going to learn some new things. Listen, listen, I don't have time to learn too many new things. I'm still trying to learn the old things. Amen. Hey, you, you know, everybody wants to learn something new. You'd be good to learn something old. That's why you saw, I don't know if anybody noticed our sign out there. It says old truths are good for the new year. That's what our sign says uh, this right now. Old truths are good for the new year. And they will, this, those, these old truths will get you through this new year. Something to remember. So in one sense, Satan's promises were true. Their eyes were open. And they did know good and evil, but not as God did. Here's something to realize. Thus, think about this. A half-truth, a half-truth presented as a whole truth is still what? An untruth. A half-truth presented as a whole truth is still an untruth. Still a lie. Still a lie. So important to pay attention to these things. So... Uh, we, we, we get down here. So in, here's what happened. God wanted Adam to know what the good is. So he didn't want him to know all about evil. He wanted him to know what the good is, right? That's what he wants us to know, what the good is, right? And then what evil would be. He said, listen, you need to understand what good is and then maybe understand what, not what evil is, but what it would be if you fell into it. But instead, because we fell into sin, now we got it. Now we got it backwards. Instead of now, we discover what evil is, and now we got to learn about what the good will be if we do right. See, instead of going from good and learn about, hey, here's something you don't need to know about, but it's a, it's it's something that's out there. Now, in looking at it from the good perspective, now we start off from the bad perspective and have to learn about what good is and what we could have had or what we can't have now in Jesus Christ. So instead of recognizing the evil from the summit of the good, they now must recognize the good from the abyss of evil. And often experience is not the best teacher, for sometimes, as they say, listen, uh, experience always isn't the best teacher because often the tuition is too high. So children, don't think that you need to fall into sin. Don't think you need to go out there and and experience that to know uh, that you shouldn't have done it and all those things. No, you don't need to, to get mixed up in sin. So God created man. God created man. And seven quick facts about man. Man was the highlight of God's creation. Man was absolutely unique in God's creation. Man alone was made in God's image. Man was declared uh, uh, the, the ruler of uh, God's creation there. And uh, man was commanded not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but he was encouraged to eat of the, all other trees. And then man uh, was given a wife. And so uh, the seven quick facts about when God created man. Quickly, the sin of Adam. So he becomes the first sinner. Now, it's important to know. You say, well, why did Adam become the first sinner when Eve was the first one to partake? Anybody know the answer to that question? 
right? But man was, but Adam was what? He wasn't seed, but also he was what? He was the head. He was the head of his household. And it's the head of the household, the leadership, right, that bears the most responsibility, right? Uh, listen, uh, uh, men, right, we're going to answer for our home. The leadership in, in the church, right, is going to answer for the church. So, of course, chronologically, Eve ate first. But theologically, see, you get chronologically, Eve ate first. But we can't just look at this thing chronologically. We have to look at it theog- theologically, is what? Adam is declared by the New Testament to be the original sinner. The reason, again, for this is that Adam was the head of the human race and therefore responsible for its actions. We know this, Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then, of course, uh, uh, he, he, you know, as soon as that happens, they realize that they did something wrong, and they, they recognize uh, their uh, nakedness, and they try to what? He tries to hide it before God. So, you know, people, we don't really understand, you know, what their bodies were like uh, before uh, they fell, but obviously a drastic change took place, right, upon sin entering into the world. Some drastic change took place. So we don't understand that. But it may be that the body, some people believe the bodies of Adam and Eve were maybe, you know, covered in some type of light or, or, or whatever. We don't know. It doesn't clearly say, but we know that a drastic change took place. But thank God a drastic change takes place back, amen, when you believe in Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. But now this protection is gone. In a desperate effort to correct the situation, what did they do? The Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, we now have what? The first example of man-made religion, right? Man trying to cover, man trying to cover his own sin. But listen, uh, the only thing a sinner needs to be covered in is what? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. So he attempts at last to hide himself from God. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Boy, what a sad thing. Boy, that God used to come down, the voice of the Lord come down, and they can enjoy sweet fellowship. Now that day when the voice of the Lord comes down, then you say the Lord came down, it says the voice of the Lord came down, and now he has to hide himself. So Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. This is the ultimate tragic result of sin. It not only separates man from God, but makes him actually desire to hide from God. But, of course, we know this can't be done. Let me give you some verses here. We cannot hide from God. Man needs to know that he cannot hide from God. Uh, Psalm 69, 5 says, O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I free from thy presence? Psalms 139, 7 says, But thank God, even despite the fact that he knew they'd sinned, he knew what they'd done, he still came down. Amen. He still came down, the voice of the Lord. So we see the redemption of God. Up to this point, we've only seen those attributes of God that uh, 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 related to creation. But now, we would inc- that, that those include his power and wisdom. But in this chapter, however, man's sin, we are introduced to his redemptive attributes. So, uh, uh, sin brought judgment upon man. Let me give you those real quick, and we'll, 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 we'll close there. Then next time we'll get to look at the redemption side of God. The fivefold judgment upon sin. Upon man, wearisome toil. Upon woman, suffering in childbirth and being subordinate to man. 
Upon nature, the judgment, thorns and thistles, aimlessness, right? The Bible teaches that the whole creation groaneth, right, because of the weight of sin. Then, of course, upon the serpent to crawl upon its belly, and then upon Satan that one day he would suffer a fatal head wound. But despite all this, amen, God steps in and shows grace. And we'll look at that uh, next time. Isn't that amazing? Before, before we get deep into the Word of God, not only do we see the fall of man, but we see the grace of God immediately, amen. God gives the promise, amen, of the redeeming seed. What a, what a wonderful thought that is.